Good morning and welcome to Current Radio. It's Sunday, December 31st. Today we'll be discussing how company executives can ensure generative AI is ethical and how Shield AI has expanded its massive Series F with another $300 million in equity and debt, scaling its valuation to $2.8 billion. Plus, we'll be remembering the startups we lost in 2023 and exploring how India will navigate EVs in 2024. This coverage and more, up next. Welcome to Current Radio's Technology Station. Please enjoy today's selection of technology news. Generative AI is increasingly becoming a game changer for businesses across all sectors, with McKinsey estimating that it could add between $2.6 trillion to $4.4 trillion annually across various industries. However, it's not just about adopting generative AI, but rather how it's implemented. Celeste, can you delve into this a bit more? Absolutely, James. The implementation strategy is crucial. Modern business leaders need to prepare for a future where AI is integrated into every part of their business. A long-term strategy is needed to harness the immediate advantages of generative AI while mitigating potential future risks. But it's not just about the benefits. Businesses that don't address concerns around generative AI from the start risk system failure, copyright exposure, privacy violations, and even social harms like the amplification of biases. In fact, only 17% of businesses are currently addressing these risks, leaving them vulnerable. That's quite concerning. What about the regulatory aspect of generative AI? How are businesses preparing for that? Businesses must be prepared for forthcoming regulations. For example, President Biden signed an executive order to create AI safeguards, the UK hosted the world's first AI safety summit, and the EU brought forward their own legislation. Governments across the globe are recognizing the risks. C-suite leaders must also be aware of these risks and ensure their generative AI systems adhere to current and future regulatory requirements. So, it's a delicate balance between leveraging the benefits of generative AI and managing its risks. How can leaders strike this balance? Businesses that leverage three principles are poised to succeed. Human-first decision-making, robust governance over large language model, LLM content, and a universal connected AI approach. Human-first decision-making involves ensuring that AI systems are designed to augment human capabilities and not replace them. Robust governance over LLM content means having clear policies and procedures in place for how AI-generated content is used and monitored. Lastly, a universal connected AI approach involves integrating AI into all aspects of the business, from operations to customer service, while ensuring it aligns with the company's overall strategy. It's clear that generative AI offers immense potential, but it's equally important to navigate its challenges wisely. Thanks for the insights, Celeste. Now, in a recent development, Defense tech startup Shield AI has expanded its latest funding round with an additional $300 million in equity and debt, bringing its total Series F to $500 million. Celeste, can you give us more details about this? Certainly, James. This total amount includes $200 million in equity closed in November, $100 million in new equity raised at the Series F price, and $200 million in debt. The debt provider is Hercules Capital, but Shield has not specified the source of the additional equity. This has raised the company's valuation to $2.8 billion, up from $2.7 billion in November. Interesting. And what exactly is Shield AI working on that's attracting such significant investment? Shield AI is developing an AI pilot to transform aircraft into autonomous systems. Their flagship product, HiveMind, will enable teams of aircraft to operate independently of remote operators, communications, or GPS. 
Shield CEO and co-founder Ryan Tseng has said that AI pilots are becoming a strategic conventional deterrent in class with our aircraft carriers and guided missile submarines. He also mentioned that this has only recently become possible due to advances in AI and compute power. That's quite a paradigm shift for aerospace and defense. How does venture debt factor into this? Venture debt can be a smart way to capitalize a late-stage growth company. It can provide an injection of capital to help the company reach certain milestones, such as profitability or exit. While venture debt can sometimes be seen as a survival mechanism for struggling early-stage startups, it can make a lot of sense for late-stage companies like Shield AI. I see. And how does this tie into the company's recent product launches and overall strategy? Shield AI recently launched VBAT Teams, a software product that operates with HiveMind and enables teams of VBAT drones to execute missions autonomously and in coordination. In a recent testimony before the U.S. Senate, Shield's president and co-founder Brandon Tseng emphasized the importance of AI-piloted systems to the country's overall deterrence strategy. He stated that AI-piloted systems will be the greatest military deterrent of our generation. We must get it right. However, he also acknowledged that incorporating AI pilots into the DOD's force structure had been challenging. The future of defense technology is rapidly evolving, and it will be interesting to see how Shield AI's developments play a part in that. However, not every startup story ends with a bang. Some fade away quietly, their stories untold, their lessons unlearned. According to a recent PitchBook survey, around 3,200 private venture-backed U.S. companies have gone out of business this year raising a combined total of over $27 billion. Celeste, can you shed some light on this? Absolutely, James. The startup world can be brutal, and failure is often part of the journey. The reasons for failure can vary widely, from timing, funding issues, and macroeconomic factors, to internal problems and market competition. And while some companies manage to bounce back from bankruptcy or find a buyer, many others reach a point of no return. Could you give us some examples of startups that didn't make it? Sure. Let's start with Braid, a startup that aimed to make shared wallets more mainstream. Despite raising $10 million in funding, Braid shut down in September 2023. The founder, Amanda Payton, was refreshingly candid about the reasons for the closure, citing the realization that it wasn't going to be a viable business venture. That's quite a sobering revelation. What about other startups? Cloud Nordic, a Danish cloud host provider, was forced to shut down after a destructive ransomware attack wiped out its systems and customer data. Then there's Convoy, a digital freight broker that closed abruptly in October 2023, despite having raised more than $1 billion. Its assets were acquired by supply chain logistics platform Flexport. Another example is Daylight, an LGBTQ banking platform that shut down after raising $20 million in funding following allegations of inappropriate behavior by its CEO. It's clear that startups face a myriad of challenges. Are there any other notable examples? Yes, there's Fuzzy, a pet care telehealth startup that closed suddenly, leaving even some top executives in the dark. IRL, a social app, shut down after an internal investigation found that bots constituted around 95% of its active monthly users. IronNet, a cybersecurity startup founded by a former NSA director, filed for bankruptcy after a turbulent journey. And Mandolin, a concert live streaming platform that thrived during the pandemic, announced its closure in April 2023. These stories certainly highlight the harsh realities of the startup world. Any final examples? Vive, a real estate developer turned tech-enabled prefab home builder, is on the verge of shuttering after reaching unicorn status last year. Then there's Zest Money, an Indian fintech startup that shut down following unsuccessful efforts to find a buyer. And finally, Zume, 
which started as a pizza robot startup and later pivoted into sustainable food packaging, liquidated its assets in early June 2023. These stories serve as a stark reminder of the risks and challenges inherent in the startup world, where success is never guaranteed. On a different note, India, a major player in the global automotive industry, has been focusing on transitioning to alternative fuels to curb pollution. The year 2024 is set to be a crucial one for the country as it faces challenges to offer accessible growth capital to late-stage startups while trying to lure Tesla and other foreign EV manufacturers to enter its domestic market. Celeste, can you give us some insight into this? Absolutely, James. In 2023, India, the world's largest two- and three-wheeler manufacturer, sold almost 24 million vehicles, with over 1.5 million being EVs. This accounted for 6.35% of the total base, including 813,000 electric two-wheelers, while the overall growth was nearly 10% from about 22 million vehicles sold in 2022. EV sales grew by close to 47% from 1.3 million EVs sold last year. That's a significant increase in EV sales. But I understand there was a dip in the sales of EVs due to a cut in subsidies. Can you tell us more about that? Yes, the faster adoption and manufacturing of hybrid and electric vehicles scheme, commonly called FAME2, had a significant impact on the sales of electric two-wheelers. The scheme, which offered a $1.38 billion incentive, was updated in June, causing a 56% drop in the monthly sales of electric two-wheelers in that month alone. This sudden drop has arguably impacted the country's overall EV market as India is predominantly a two-wheeler market with limited manufacturers in the electric car segment. Interesting. So how did the market respond to this change in the subsidy scheme? Ravneet S. Fokola, chief business officer of electric two-wheeler startup Ather Energy, mentioned that the market took a hit for about three months due to the FAME2 update, though it has rebounded to pre-subsidy change levels as of October. However, he expects the growth to be more gradual than exponential going forward. The subsidy update has also caused consolidation and sudden exits of many small-scale electric two-wheeler brands. It seems like the subsidy changes have had a significant impact on the market. What about the future of EVs in India? What can we expect? EV manufacturers have urged the government to continue offering subsidies to sustain and expand the market. They aim to meet the country's electrification target of 30% EV penetration by 2030. The Indian government has also offered a $3.11 billion production-linked incentive scheme to attract investments and push domestic manufacturing of automobile and auto components in the country. This has resulted in over $1.43 billion of investments until the second quarter of the financial year 2023-24. It's clear that the government's role is crucial in the growth of the EV market. What about the role of foreign EV manufacturers like Tesla? Are they looking to enter the Indian market? Yes, global EV companies including Tesla and VinFast are looking to enter the Indian market in the coming months. The Indian government is developing a new EV policy to attract foreign car makers to foray into the market alongside supporting domestic players to expand the country's electric car base. Incumbents, including India's top car maker Maruti Suzuki, are also closely observing the ongoing moves by international players to look for the right time to enter the market. It's certainly an exciting time for the EV market in India. Thanks for the insight, Celeste. Now that wraps up our stories for today, and we look forward to bringing you more updates tomorrow on Current Radio.